0: On this Wednesday installment of Locked On Texans, we will be joined by NFL Draft senior writer Nick Baumgartner as he discusses what he thinks the Houston Texans should do one day ahead of the 2023 NFL
1: Draft. And to tie it all in, we want to develop a great team here that we can deliver wins to the city of Houston. We want to deliver a championship here to the city of Houston, and that's that's what it'll be about.
0: You are Locked On Texans. Daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Wednesday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Texan podcast on YouTube and follow us on Twitter. Along with subscribing on all of the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. I'm John, some sports guy. Hit, but of course, I'm joined by none other than Cody Davis, Texan and Houston Rocket beat reporter, along with one of the great writers for Sports Illustrated, the family. Cody, we got Nick Baumgartner. He's going to be joining the show later on, so I can't wait for our listeners and viewers to get to that part of the podcast. However, with one day left, oh, with Lord. two and 12, <laughs> hanging in the balance, and I will say 33 as well, because I think 33 would be- Just as important. Just as important. I think 33 could be one of those you know pieces that can complete maybe a trade, uh, trade up, but mm. we got a lot to talk about in terms of- what the Houston Texans should favor. What side of the ball should the Houston Texans favor? Now, Cody, I've been on record by saying I think this team can not compete in the AFC South. I think that, again, I can repeat myself. I will repeat myself. I think the Colts and Houston is in the same boat. Talent, there's some talent on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. Missing a quarterback. You can also look at injuries as playing a part as to why – Uh, both teams did not maybe reach their max potential. Also, Lovey Smith, Jeff Saturday, the whole coaching fiasco last year, now new coaches in the building. They're both picking high in the NFL draft coming up in in, in a day. I look at the Titans as the old man on the way out type of team, (laughs) and I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars as a team like the juniors. Like, you know what? We know you got some experience, but how much and will you regress or will you progress? So there's still a question mark for me for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this division can be totally up for grabs when the season starts. Mm -hmm. And this is why, when I look at what Houston should favor more or less in the NFL draft, a quarterback and a couple of playmakers will really help this team out on the offensive side of the ball. I'm talking quarterback, I'm talking wide receivers. I'm talking about maybe still investing into your tight end position. Also, cannot forget addressing the center position. And so 12 picks for Houston, 11 to 12 picks for Houston. They got a, a few good picks later in the draft. We look at two, we look at 12, we look at 33 uh, for the second round. We look at the third rounder. Was that 57? I think so. Round the 50s uh, for the third round. Well, oh, no, not for the third round. I think it's 60-something. Well, they got the third rounder, the fourth round, and the fifth rounder. Out of those first few draft picks through the first five rounds, I can see Houston saying, you know what? We still got to address our edge position. So that's going to be a priority. But I don't see Houston coming out of the first five rounds without a quarterback and without bringing weapons to this team offensively and addressing the offensive line. So, again, as much as this team struggled the last three seasons, uh, David Cully era, the Levy Smith era, and now we're about to start the D'Amico Ryans era, I'm not saying that this team will be super competitive in the NFL. But, again, my concerns with the rest of the team, teams in the division Yes, I can see Houston being competitive by addressing their offensive needs. And do they have a lot of them? Well, they are monumental. They don't have a future quarterback. They don't have a franchise quarterback. That needs to be addressed. Do they have a franchise wide receiver? No, that needs to be addressed. And can we expect for Jimmy Morrissey or or Scott Quisenberry to be the starting uh, center or the future center for this team? I don't think so. Those are all on the offensive side of the ball. I love Dalton Schultz. I think, again, they could still address it. They have a tight end that they really do love. This is a new regime, so the likes of Brevin Jordan, the likes of TQ, who was a rookie last year, they may not even be favored if there's a tight end through the first five rounds. And I also can actively well, – I see Houston actively trying to acquire more picks in between rounds three and five to allow them to get some of those guys that's on their big draft board that they really like, but they – they have to run the risk of not being able to get them if they don't maybe overdraft them. So maybe between 12 and 33 trading back or they really like a guy trading up to go get them. We'll see about that with the quarterback situation and wide receiver situation. But they got to address the offense. I think they favor the offense in this year's draft.
0: Hmm. It's without a shadow of a doubt. That's exactly what's at best for the Houston Texans entering the draft. Um this is an offense over the last two seasons that has averaged what someone in the ballpark of 16 to 17 and a half points per game, of course, bottom in the league. This is an offense that with times last season to where if Damian Pierce did not get, did not find his groove in the game, the Houston Texans could not move the ball down the field. And that was due to the inabilities of your quarterback. That was due to the inabilities of the playmakers that you had out there. Um, so, when you take a look at all that of course without a shadow of a doubt everyone is looking at this from a standpoint of yes it is very important for the houston texans to address these needs on the offensive side of the ball however the biggest issue is when will they address these needs and who they're going to address these needs with we talk about the quarterback position every single day here on this show so we don't even have to dive into all of that talk as of right now however I'm under the impression, John, it doesn't matter who's under the center, whether they running back with Davis Mills, make a trade for Lamar Jackson, draft CJ, draft Hooker, or whatever the case might be. They definitely need to make sure that they add some playmakers because if they don't, you cannot go into the 2023 campaign banking on Damian Pierce being your number one weapon at times your only weapon on the offensive side of the ball. You look at the wide receiving core. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. I love the signing of Noah Brown. Um, I I love the signing of Woods. I think that the Houston Texans wide receiving core did get a tad bit better. But at the end of the day, you need a number one wide receiver target. You need a number one wide receiving threat. And we saw especially more so the second half of last season once, you know, Brandon Cooks kind of just gave up on the organization. We saw how much. His I'm not gonna say attitude, but we saw how much once his demeanor changed that wide receiving court definitely um digressed. We know what we got out of Chris Chris Moore. Unfortunately, Chris Moore signed with the Tennessee Titans this offseason. Um, so that is a big loss. However, John, they definitely need some weapons. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, yes, it's very important for them to address on the on their defensive front. However, like I keep mentioning, when you go back and you take a look at a lot of these one-score losses, um, I think they had a total of, what, eight one-score losses over the last two seasons out of those eight. You cannot sit here and tell me or debate me and say that majority of those one, one-score losses were due to the inabilities of your defense. It wasn't their fault. Yes, they, they collapsed during the second half of a lot of these games. However, it was only due to the fact that your offense had them out there on the field way too much. And these guys just totally ran out of gas. So, yes, you have to address your defensive front. Please do. We want you to go out there and get an edge rusher that you can build and orchestrate your defense around. However, none of that will matter if you do not address with the right prospects. You do not address the needs that you need on the offensive side of the ball.
1: And I also like to add. I think in this draft, for offensive purposes, you want to make sure that you, you know, draft the best prospects that you possibly mm-hmm. can. So, like with the defense, I think that for Houston, if they want to address the safety position, there's going to be prospects later in the draft that you can do that with. Mm-hmm. For Houston, if you want to, you know, go get you a younger defensive tackle that you want to just kind of coach up and get ready for, you could do that. Later in the draft, but I do look at the first five rounds. And again, no, no, no real, uh, this, this hasn't been confirmed, but I do believe that Houston will look to maybe trade a pick or two in order to gain more picks. This is just my own speculation. And with that, that would be a perfect opportunity for Houston to look at some of those later round picks. I look at 212, 33 and, and, you know, the first five rounds, I don't think Houston needs to address safety. I don't think Houston Mm. needs to address the cornerback position. I think linebacker on defense and edge on defense are the two that I say, yeah, you got to address those. But I don't think that those positions as of right now should be an overdraft for Houston. You get your guy whenever you get him, but you cannot walk away from this draft without a quarterback. That won't happen. That's been confirmed. Cannot walk away from this draft without, I think so, a top four, top four wide receiver prospect. And I think once you get between rounds four and five, you go out there and you draft another one. They gotta they gotta get some star power and firepower on this offense in the early 2010s. This team was so great on defense, <laughs> so great on defense. The J.J. Wiles, the Daniel Manning, the Kareem Jackson, when he got it together. The Demico uh, Ryan. <laughs> well, Demico <laughs> was around for that one season, but after that, yeah. you got the, the Brian Cushions, the uh Jay Joes. Like, they built a great defense, damn good defense. I think they were number one or two one of those years. But for a consecutive few years, they were, like, top five. They always came up offensively short. If this is a league where, of course, you want this team to be stout defensively, no doubt about that. Like we just saw what the 49ers were able to do defensively throughout the entire NFL season and playoff run until their hopes came up short. But you still got to put an offense on the field that can score points. This isn't 08. This isn't 06. This isn't 99. This is a this is a league that you gotta put office on the board. So points on the board, excuse me. So I do think again, they favor. They should favor offensive players in this year's draft.
0: This isn't 06. You sure about that?
1: Oh, man. (laughs) If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar on the market. If you're like me and want to make better and healthier snack choices but don't want to compromise on taste, check out the Built Bar. The Built Bars are good for a number of reasons. Number one, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Also, they come in unbelievable flavors like the churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. But on top of that, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even have to wait to order online. You can run into your local Walmart or Sam's Club today. Join Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, and other Locked On NFL local experts on the Locked On NFL scouting YouTube page for live NFL draft coverage presented by Ultimate Football GM. Kyle and Joe Marino will be live during all of the rounds 1, 2, and 3. And then on Saturday, they'll get you caught up after each round. Join the draft dudes for the first round tomorrow night on YouTube and on uh, on, and on YouTube, excuse me, on YouTube on the Locked On NFL scouting page starting at 7.30 Eastern Time.
0: Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Wednesday installment of Locked On Texans. Tomorrow is the 2023 NFL Draft. I consider this arguably, if not the most important draft in franchise history because so much is at stake. And joining me today is Nick Baumgardner, Senior NFL Draft Writer of The Athletic. Nick, how you doing? And welcome to Locked On Texans. The day before, I know can oh, eventually either make or break the Houston Texans for at least the next four to five years.
2: <laughs> Cody, I'm glad to be here, and I'm really happy to talk Texans because, like, they are, you said it, like, not enough people <laughs> are talking about this. They have so many picks. It's like, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago, like, It almost feels like they have too many picks. Like, they have so many opportunities to get better. And, like, they don't have to do anything. That's the beauty of it. They don't have to do any (laughs) one thing. They can do, like, a hundred things. You know what I mean? So, yeah, Yeah, happy to be here.
0: It's the beauty of it, but at the same time, it's sort of a heartbreak and a reminder (laughs) of what could have been because there's a particular guy that's in Cleveland now is part of the main reasons why they have so many picks and part of the reasons why a lot of the picks that they have are like some of the prime picks in the draft. You take a look at number two, take a look at number 12, take a look at 33, (laughs) like it goes on and on. That's just for this year. But speaking of the guy that's now in Cleveland, is part of the reason why mm-hmm. the Houston Texans have this big void at the quarterback position. Nick, let's jump right into it. Uh, what can you tell myself and the listeners about what you're hearing around your circles about what the Houston Texans could potentially do at quarterback when it comes to CJ, when it comes to Will Levis, but more importantly over the last couple of days when it comes to Hendon Hooker?
2: Yeah, so I think that it's um... – they have options and all of those options would include like any of those quarterbacks, but also I think the option that most people haven't talked about enough. And that I think that Houston has probably done a nice job of playing close to the best is they don't have to take a quarterback. They don't have to do this. Like that's the, you know what I'm saying? Because they, they have the ability to take a generational player like Will Anderson, let's say just you know, mm-hmm. whatever, at two. You, know, you still have 12, you still have 33, you still have all these great picks. You have a ton next year, too, like we just talked mm-hmm. about. Next year's quarterback class is better. And I know we don't like to do that, but, like, if you're <laughs> going to buy the farm on someone, next year there's multiple guys. And I do think that Davis is a good enough quarterback right now to get you where you need to go as, like, the rest of the team grows. Like, Houston is one of these teams that I think has a lot of really interesting, young, really young, like, almost not ready yet players Mm-hmm. Then it almost feels like if you took a franchise quarterback today, that guy would almost like waste his first two years with you, you know what I mean, on his rookie deal. And are you ready for that? And that's the question I think that mm-hmm. that I hear the most from people. It's like it's not so much which guy would they prefer. It's are they going to take one? And I feel like that really is the question that I have the most or or and like and if they don't take one at two, would they play the board and take Hendon hooker? Right. Like that's mm-hmm. another interesting option.
0: And from your evaluations, what can you tell us about Hendon Hooker? Like to me, and I say this a lot here on this show. I think if Hendon Hooker came into the draft healthy without that ACL injury he sustained, I would have considered him the third best quarterback prospect. But unfortunately, it seems like he's number five due to the injury. When you take a look at a lot of the quarterback needy teams, i.e., the Houston Texans, if -hmm. they go that route to take a CJ Will, and I hope Will Anderson, not not Will Anderson, Will Levis, isn't the case. (laughs) i'm sorry but of course even like ar-15 like when you take a look at a lot of these high profile quarterback prospects nine times out of ten you want them to start come week one of the 2023 campaign
2: yeah hooker is like that's a great that's a great point no people forget what he was before the injury and there's so much about him that i think limits you know i don't think of him in that top 10 range i don't think that's where he'll go but i think that you know, when you think about where he was before the injury, I definitely mm-hmm. think that's a player that could have been a first-round pick. And I think mm-hmm. that that's a guy a late first-round pick, let's say, maybe somewhere in the 20s, because he is a starter. Like, I do think he has enough to be a starter in this league. But there are more questions about his game. You know, he's older. He does have the injury. Uh, he did play in a college offense that is, you know, literally designed to widen windows, to make them easier uh, to hit, which isn't going to happen in the NFL. Um, Sometimes the ball stales, right, when you'd like it to be a little more accurate, even though those windows are super wide. Sometimes he still overthrew some crazy speed. So there's things, you know, that you you ding on him. But, like, he's a high-floor guy. I I just think he's a steady football player uh, who would make a solid starter on a good team or a really good backup for a long time who could, like, get you out of jail a bunch. You know, if your starter Mm. gets hurt he's the guy who gets you out of it. If you have a young guy that you're not sure about, he's the guy that sort of helps you ride through it. But that's a new-ish type thing. You know, Geno Smith just got paid sort of being that guy, and it took too long for that <laughs> to happen. But, like, I do wonder if, like, that second level of quarterback is, like, almost a – it's an interesting part. You know, I think Hooker falls into that.
0: Mm. Nick, I do want to ask you about the defensive side of the ball um, because – Started a draft season, a lot of us, including myself, thought without a shadow of a doubt, number two, you was going to take CJ or Bryce. Of course, as mm-hmm. we know, nine times out of ten, probably ten times out of ten right. at this point, Bryce is going number one to Carolina, and all of right. a sudden it seems like the Houston Texans started to shift their focus. Part of the reason was due to um, Coach D'Amico Ryan's wanting to get himself a foundational cornerstone on that defensive front. Um, at first, it seemed like it was Will Anderson, but what can you tell us about um, Tyree Wilson, the defensive lineman from Texas Tech? It seemed like his draft stock has really risen over these last couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, Wilson is- is a sturdy sturdy dude like he is sort of the rare big bodied defensive end who can be like a hammer against the run but he also uh has really good pass rush stuff like he's got mm-hmm. like he was one of the best uh i think he led the country for quite a, a stretch there and uh and pffs uh pass rush producti- productivity productivity uh, analytic that they've got there which is uh, i think a lot of stuff goes into that like win rate and everything else but he's a long guy who knows how to use his length and he's big and sturdy and can move and play the run like he's a bigger um and in some ways not as athletic in some other areas like he's like aiden hutchinson that's what i think of when i think hmm. of wilson like a guy that you can and that is such a good point like if ryan's wanted to take a guy You know, and anymore in today's NFL, like if you've got two stud edge players that you're just he's a pillar, we just plant him in the ground like you can do a lot experimentally behind them. You know what I mean? You can take chances on guys. So I think Wilson is that type of guy He's a three down player. No question about it. Anderson, I still like better because I think he's he can do more in terms of pass coverage in terms of other. He's even a more athletic version of probably like a Hutchinson. Uh, but I really like Wilson a lot, and I think he's probably right under there, and I could see why teams might even have Wilson ahead of Jalen Carter. All the Mm. other stuff about Jalen Carter aside, uh, because Tyree can do so many things out there.
0: Speaking of Jalen Carter really quick. Yeah. Where is his draft stock as of right now?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's the million-dollar question because that's really where, like, the draft is going to sort of, the draft starts in two places. It's like it starts with Houston, whatever Mm -hmm. Houston's going to do, and then, you know, that sort of, untangles the whole thing and then who takes carter you know does Mm -hmm. seattle take carter if he falls there does detroit do it uh if those if those two teams pass you know at the end of the day i don't think he falls out of the top 10 and i think that that's probably Mm -hmm. where the floor is because i think it comes back to how he reacted in in the individual meetings and that's only for him and those people that were in those meetings to sort of know because Mm -hmm. the book on him is like it's complicated for a lot of young kids. It's complicated. You you know, we know this, we were all young, right? Like all I hear on Jalen Carter is that he's a young, very young kid who's really immature, who needs to grow up and, uh, just went through a horrible tragedy. Right. So I, I don't hear he's a horrible person who's like this irredeemable, you know, I don't really hear that. So I, I, I tend to think that if you're a mature team that has, mature guys in your locker room and you think that he's a, just a good natured kid. Who's just got to grow up. Mm-hmm. Then you'll be okay taking that chance. And that's why I think he's a top 10 pick. Cause he's a, he's a top three player. No question about it. in the draft. <laughs>
0: Yeah. One of my dream scenarios, I'm not going to lie, is that. Is if he falls uh, to 12, yeah. If he falls to 12. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about that. I was like, well, Uh if they still take CJ at two, do they risk seeing if Carter falls to 12? Then you got two foundational pieces on both sides of the ball. Who knows? I wouldn't
2: hate that at all. I wouldn't hate that at all because I think you're also going to get, hopefully, hopefully, I don't know this. Hopefully you get an angry, motivated Jalen Carter, whoever takes him because he's Mm -hmm. had a rough go here, right? Like a lot of it's been his own doing. So Mm -hmm. now we'll get to see, you know, ultimately it's up to him, but hopefully we see a motivated dude who comes ripping and tearing for whoever takes him.
0: Hopefully Nick last question before I let you go. Um, You know, we talk a lot about the quarterback, but I think the second most important position for the Texans to um, try to fill in this draft is at wide receiver. Um, Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about, you know, the disappointing season Davis Mills had, but at the same time, Outside of Damian Pierce, he really did not have right. any weapons, especially in the wide receiving court, and especially after Brandon Cooks decided he wanted to quit on the team after they decided <laughs> right. not to trade him at the trade deadline. But, you know, that's the here or there. We don't want to talk about that anymore. But, uh, you know, what? what's the possibility of the Texans exiting the first round without a wide receiver? And if that is the case, who are some of the, I guess, second-tier wide receivers that the Houston Texans can target that can actually come in and make a positive impact at, in this position
1: group.
2: Yeah. I'd be interested to see if Houston would like trade off a 12 and try to get a rec- One of these first round guys. Cause 12 mm-hmm. is too early, I think for a receiver in this draft, mm-hmm. but like, you're right because they could really benefit if they could get down to the teens or maybe the twenties, if they could snag like Jackson Smith and Jigba or, you know, Quentin Johnston or one of these, these are or Addison too. Like those three are first, they're the no doubt first round picks. I really like Zay Flowers and Josh Downs, though, at the top of the second round. And I think that that's mm. why, for me, like, I I wouldn't be stunned if one of those two sneaks into the bottom of the first round. But I think that you're going to have enough good options at wide receiver at the top of the second round to where that feels like a, a spot for Houston. Or you could also take that, you know, pick an, that 33 and move back up into the 20s. Like, that would be mm. something. Maybe you stay at 12. You know, and if Carter falls, or you you know, you take another maybe you take like Van Ness and Edge, one of these guys, and then maybe you trade up into the 20s and get into the receiver run. Because I think that we're gonna wait a little bit on the receivers. I mm-hmm. would be a little surprised if we see a receiver go before like 15.
0: Mm. Nick, really quick, just for fun. Yeah. What will the Houston Texans do with the number two overall pick?
2: Number two pick. Okay, <laughs> I think they're gonna take uh I think they're taking Stroud. Like I just think, don't. I'm not going to overcomplicate it. Like I'm just, I, I don't, I don't know. But if you had to tell me, that's who I would take. I would uh-huh. take CJ Stroud. I think he's good enough to do it. Um, I think he he needs some time. But like we said, so does the whole team. If you you got a new coach who's young and understands, I think that's okay. I think you take CJ Stroud and you and you build around him.
0: I'm glad you said that because throughout this whole entire week, I've been speaking it into existence. Okay. With the number two it. overall <laughs> pick, the Houston Texans will select CJ Straw. Don't get me wrong, I really like Hendy Hooker. And if that's their contingency plan, I'm okay with it. But there's something about CJ that I truly like. And I just hope, just don't make it complicated. Just get CJ. Let's roll yeah, with I'm him angry. for the next three to four years. Don't complicate and, it. Yeah. You know, like that, that that's all. But <laughs> at the end of the day, It's the Houston Texans, and this is what we're expecting.
2: (laughs) Well, that's why they have all these picks. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I I know that
2: very well. I'm a Lions uh, follower myself, so I understand completely.
0: Oh right. man. Well, Absolutely. it seems like y'all finally <laughs> gonna turn things. Hey, there are other ways. So there's hope. <laughs> there is hope, of course. Right. But um, Nick Baumgardner, senior NFL draft writer at the athletic. Nick, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on all your social media platforms? Please be sure to tell them about subscribing to the athletic let to the athletic. I'm a subscriber. It's one of the best contents that you can go to if you are a sports fan, sports reporter, whatever the case might be.
2: Well said, Cody. Thank you. I think I would start with, if you haven't found Dame Brugler's Beast, the draft guide that we print every year, which is amazing. That I have uh, that saved in my computer. <laughs> oh yeah, that's online right now and it's well worth it. That'll get you through like the whole summer. Uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Baumgartner. I'm on Instagram at Nick Baumgartner FB. We've got all sorts of draft coverage this week, uh, live blog. We'll probably have deals too, I'm sure, at some point coming out. So be mm-hmm. be sure to follow all your athletic writers and we'll hook you up whenever we find a deal. And subscribe if you haven't.
0: Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Locked On Texans. We are officially one day away from the NFL draft. And shout out once again to Nick Baumgardner, um, NFL senior draft writer at The Athletic. Please be sure to subscribe to The Athletic. A um, lot of great work over there, over there at that company, those guys do. And, um, John, listeners and viewers, I think it's hilarious how everybody, we all have all of these different scenarios and everything yeah. else. And everybody, every time you ask, what do you think the Houston Texans are going to do at pick number two? They always talk about, they have a feeling that it's going to be CJ Stroud. Everybody, I think we all hold it on hope that that's what the Houston Texans do. However, I do like the fact that he did agree with me by saying that Hendon Hooker could be and would be the third best rated quarterback coming on this year's draft had he Came into the draft healthy without their um, ACL injury that he sustained. He compared them to Geno Smith. I think his ceiling could be higher than Geno Smith. However, um, as we all know, Geno Smith tore it up in Seattle this season and was finally able to find a home. And, um, you know, shout out to Geno Smith. Happy for him. However, John, we opened up the show talking about the importance of playmakers. Um, you heard Nick say it as well. You know, it is definitely important for the Houston Texans to go out there and find not just playmakers, but
1: find a way to improve their wide receiving core. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, it's important for them to do so. I, you know what? The thing about Houston right now is everybody can see it. <laughs> That's the worst part. Everybody can see it. Every, Hopefully everybody they can, can see it. it as well. Everybody can see it. Now, what I don't personally see. Cody and listeners and viewers, is Tyree Wilson, the hype around Tyree Wilson, Mm. getting him to jump all the way up to be the potential number two overall pick. I've seen the mock drives. I've heard the TV talking heads, you know, maybe former scouts or former NFL players talking about the potential of Tyree Wilson going at number two. Uh, Went back and watched some tape on Tyree Wilson, young kid out of Texas A&M. I'm sorry, Texas Tech. He played at Texas A&M in his rookie year, freshman year. Uh, He did have a 22.6, so nearly a 23% pass rush uh, win percentage. That was second in the Big 12. Uh, He's a very raw prospect, very raw, 6'6", I think 265. When I say raw, I mean raw. He has good length, great wingspan, decent play recognition. I'll get back into that. Uh, misdirections could possibly hinder him at the next level. Uh, his threat, his threat does help him in terms of a great power rush at the collegiate level. That's a concern of mine because I think that with his rawness, that is something he needs to work on becoming a natural defensive end. He does have a slow get off off the line of scrimmage. Uh, again, not a natural, not a natural pass rusher. Still needs a lot of development as a natural pass rusher, as a natural defensive end. Um, And I wonder if his inability to be effective when the play isn't so point A to point B would help out, though I do believe that he would be great against the run in terms of a backside defender. Hmm. I think that would play in his his favor. Um, But to say that he can jump up to number two over Will Anderson, who does have question marks, it's very questionable. I'm not seeing that. Uh, I can understand if he was a top 10 pick, top 15. Uh, I think he will go the top 15 of this year's draft. But I don't think he's a better prospect than Will Anderson. He doesn't have the, like, the track record, the uh, the productivity. doesn't have a Will Anderson brought to the Alabama Crimson Tide. He does not have that. And he did it all in the SEC. So, you know, this young man, Tyree Wilson, who I think could have a decent career, started in the SEC and transferred to the Big 12 and had 14 sacks in the past two seasons. Tyree, not Tyree, Will Anderson had 17 and a half in one season alone two two seasons ago. So if Houston does pass up on a quarterback at two, put it like this for you guys listening. Houston passing up on Will Anderson for Tyree Wilson, I would say is the equivalent of Houston passing up on C.J. Stroud for Will Levis. God honest truth, I believe that. The productivity there is there. The stats are there. The film is there. I don't see Houston drafting Tyree Wilson. A raw prospect. And I say, Guys, you go back and watch some of his tape. He has the strength. He doesn't necessarily have a lot of good hand motion. Good hand movement at the line of scrimmage. Raw man, this this could possibly be if they draft Tyree Wilson. This could possibly be the Solomon Thomas of Houston's uh, of Houston's draft. No joke. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texas podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Also, give me a follow at John Underscore Hickman Twelve. One day love. Before the madness.
0: It's not going to be madness. It's going to be nothing but positivity that I'm going to continue to speak of. But as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Positivity! Speaking into existence. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.